What is up, Mets fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Mets Up Podcast. One of the final episodes of the season. We got a couple more here, but just finished up a three-game series against the Miami Marlins, to which the Mets won. And you want to know why? Because I lost the estimate. Of course the Mets win a series when I lose the estimate. That's how it rolls, and that's fine. It's good. I'll, I'll take the losses here in order for the Mets to win. A lot of good stuff to talk about, especially on the pitching side. So we're excited to talk to you guys about it. Let's go ahead and do it. Make sure you're following us on all our social media at MetsDup on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. That's M-E-T-S-D-U-P. Subscribe to the New York Mets YouTube channel if you want to see the video version of this. And if you're listening to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Odyssey, drop us a rating, drop us a review, download, and subscribe. I'm, I'm rocking a polo shirt today. Went golfing. James, what have you been up to today? Chill day for me, man. Not that much. Ran some errands. Beautiful weather. Worked out outside. Uh, we just had trivia with the boys. Came in third place. Won on a, a sudden death question. And I knew the answer to it instantly. Off Alicia the- Keys. I will with Alicia Keys when she signed a Columbia Records. 15 for all the people out there didn't know. Also, real name, not Alicia Keys. Most people knew that. Mark was shocked by that. But yeah, I couldn't yeah. believe it. It's too easy. But I mean, hey, this was this was a fun couple days of Mets baseball. It's also fun that we saw the Marlins in April, we beat them. And then five months later, they're fighting for a playoff spot. We no longer are. And we beat them again. Yeah, no, super nice, especially because the Cubs are just absolutely scuffling right now, choking away their chance at the playoffs. I think they're like two and eight in their last 10, which is just abysmal going down the stretch here. And the Marlins had a prime chance this series to beat up on the Mets and get into a playoff spot pretty comfortably, but they're still on the outside looking in. And it's because of guys like Jose Budo, Joey Lucchese, I know didn't get the win, but Joey Lucchese playing well. Kodai Senga, the offense showing up. Mark Vientos having a big series. It was just so, so nice, especially because I, I still do hate the Marlins for what happened, you know, in 2007, 2008 with uh, Wes Helms and Greg Dobbs and those guys, never going to lose hate for the Marlins, but feels good to be part of the reason why they're still not in the playoffs right now, especially because if they do make the playoffs, we're never going to hear the end of it from John. Yeah, never going to hear the end of it from John, but also we can have solace in the fact that they'll never – they won't be competitive in a playoff series anyway. They just no. they just don't they don't really have that kind of team. They've done a great job this year, especially winning on the margins, winning a lot of close games. But it's very clear playing against this team that they're not exactly a team that will incite fear in anybody whatsoever. And you can kind of feel that on Monday night in game one, a game that I was glued to, and it was Jose Budo. It was all because of Jose Budo. It was just part of the fandom, and it was part of just really trusting him and having him in a lot of different fantasy baseball playoff matchups because I was, yep, right? Mm-hmm. Me too. I mean, in my in the Dynasty League that I have with my YouTube friends, I was like, I'm picking up Jose Budo. I was like, I'm out of it, but he's been pitching so well. Let me grab him on the team before someone gets hip to the Jose Budo hype train. And then in the Dynasty League that I'm in with you in the playoffs, fighting to make it to the finals to go up against you, which hopefully we can bring you guys that content maybe next week. I was like, Jose Budo's got a two-star week, and he's been great. I'm going. Let's ride Jose Budo all day. Yeah, and uh, it was it was well worth it because Jose Budo, it just it, we're getting to the point where now he is actually good. Six innings on Monday, four hits, one earned run, one walk, and six strikeouts. Now, since he's become a star there, 17 in the third innings, 12 hits allowed, four earned runs, five walks, 19 strikeouts, and a 2.08 ERA. That's in three starts. Like, that's that's crazy. Completed six innings and two of those three, like, and you could just feel how important these games are to Budo because we talk about this all the time. Like, sure, the season hasn't gone the way we wanted to, but these are competitors. And these are people playing for jobs, for lifetimes of wealth. And Budo was pitching with so much emotion. You could feel the good in that emotion when he got out of that sixth inning after the yeah. crazy overturned Jorge Soler home run. I cut this video up from a baseball savant and put it on a Mets up tweet where it just he got out of the inning, got through the six and pounded his glove and just went, yeah. And he like pounded it two more times. And I was like, oh man, like this guy, 
he wants it, and rightfully so. Like these last couple of years for Budo, being so up and down, changing his repertoire, developing this new slider that's been a galvanizing pitch for him, being not that effective most opportunities at major league level, like and being super effective every time he went back down to the minor leagues. Like that's hard. That'll wear in a guy. Like it's really going to test your metal to like be successful here, but not be successful here. And what can get you to jump from that point to that point you really want to be at? And the emotion did probably come up the wrong way a little bit in this game. The inning before the six me came up. There was a play that Ronnie Mauricio probably just was in the wrong position on a bad hop at third base. It hit the lip and it kind of hopped up on him. And that just comes from Mauricio not really playing a lot of third base in his life. Yeah. And just to contextualize you guys, how few, how little Ronnie Mauricio's play at third base, even though he's playing, been playing there the last week or so. His games played in the minor leagues was a 442 at shortstop, 57 at second, 26 in left field, and just 11 at third base. And that makes sense because the Mets had two pretty talented third base prospects ahead of them ahead of him. And he was playing a lot of middle infield himself. So that makes sense. Just seeing that almost 95% of his games were at shortstop, but he kind of got on boot on Mauricio a little bit. You saw like a little yell, not to yell at Adam originally, but you can just feel like the pressure and you know, a guy like Budo that like any run he gives up and he not getting out of an inning like that really could change his fortunes. Even if it doesn't change his fortunes, if he ever does become arbitration eligible, it's like thousands of dollars out of his pocket. That's something that is real for these guys this time of year, but still 100%. just what an amazing start. And, I mean, just talk about the fact that he's a guy who is very much, like, even though I think right now, like, if, if you're making the roster for next year, looking ahead, like, this seems like a guy you're going to slot in your rotation towards the back end for sure. But I'm sure in his mind, he's like, I want to continue to prove that I'm not only good enough to be a part of this rotation, but I belong, that I, I yeah. am a part of this rotation. When you're thinking about building it for the 2024 season, it's Kodai Sanga, Jose Quintana, Jose Budo, like those are the guys he wants to be included in that conversation. And the way that he's pitching, I mean, I, I think I said it last episode that like the, the confidence level of the guys that are kind of the rest of this rotation, the, the McGill, Peterson, Budo, Joey Lucchese, Jose Budo's top of the list right now. I mean, he's impressed the hell out of me. No, everything's awesome. And like the one thing with Budo still, we talk about every single start is like once he does get to that like 70, 80 pitch level, his philosophy does tell off a lot. He threw one pitch over 93 miles an hour between those two winnings. It just so happened to be his hardest pitch of the entire game. And that was to get out of that fifth inning, which I thought was pretty interesting. But even with that, he had multiple whiffs on four different pitches, four each on his fastball and his slider. A lot. He looked like he made an adjustment of his fastball. Like, not sure if it was intentional or just some, like maybe just an issue with his command in this game, something he couldn't repeat his mechanics. But I talked to you guys about his last start, that it was all fastballs high and changeups low. And the changeup had 13 whiffs. And the pitch really took a back seat in this game. And the fastballs, he was kind of using more inside-outside on the lower half. And they were playing off his slider, which I told you guys was kind of falling over itself more. This start was a little bit sweepier. Had a little bit less drop. Actually had a little bit more slide on it. So these maybe these are adjustments. Maybe these are just him trying to fine-tune where these pitches are going to be. But each of those pitches having four whiffs and playing off each other. And he got a couple nice swings and misses with those two pitches, specifically on Jazz and Jorge Soler, especially early in the game and then later with men on base. Like he just, he looks like someone who's all but there in a role, whatever that may be in 2024. The boys are vindicated from calling out Jose Budo way back, way back before we were even with the Mets back in 2021 when he was just a lowly, like, who is this guy who's kind of making a little bit of noise in the minor leagues? The Mets, the boys were all over it. Never forget, mm -hmm. never forget no. how, uh, how on top of that Jose Budo call we were. Literally. And again, it was a lot of the stuff that he still has that made him good. It was the fact that like, oh, his fastball has life. It can sit in the top of the zone. And when that does get to 95, it's a real weapon. And the changeup is good. And if you guys remember, the OG listeners to this podcast know that we were always like, 
if the slider comes or a curveball comes, whenever that breaking ball does actually get developed, like this is a guy who's a piece. And we say you guys a piece. Does we're not talking about like he's going to be the future ace of the rotation. Yeah. Like he's yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we talk a piece, but like a guy who's valuable to major league level. And this month, watching Jose Budo pitch every fifth day. He is valuable to major league level. There's really no disputing it anymore. No, no doubt. No doubt he's been great. Awesome to see him pitching that well. Shower Jose Budo. The other side, too, Edward Cabrera was extremely effective. Was nice. That was probably one of the better starts of his career. Someone who I have been vocally not super thrilled watching pitch re like in the past just because I was like, doesn't really get any swings and misses, kind of walks, kind of nibbles a little bit. But in this game, he looked really awesome and kind of shut down the Mets for a good portion of the game. Yeah, he's a fun one, too, where it's kind of the same. He's like Super Budo on the other side, where it's still years and years waiting for him to get that slider. And there was a cool pit slider that he threw to Pete Alonso because Edward Cabrera doesn't really pitch like other people in baseball, where his fastball has gas and has good life. His changeup is... Has gas and has good life. Yeah, exactly. Like He throws the most unique change in baseball. I'm sure you guys, if you watched it, were like, what, what's that 93-mile-an-hour pitch that moves like kind of similar to his fastball, but just like a little bit less and a little bit in a different direction? That is his changeup, and that was his primary pitch on Monday night, and that pitch has life. And then he throws a slider that's just – his stuff is so crazy that I'll just – I'm going to say this, but it's going to be a little disrespectful, but I'm going to explain it. Like his slider is a spinner. It really doesn't move very much at all. It barely drops, and it doesn't really slide. And there was a pitch that kind of went viral that he threw the Pete Alonso where – it looked like a hanger right down the middle with two strikes and Pete just didn't swing and just walked back to the dugout. And people online were like, Oh my God, it's ridiculous. How could Pete not have swung at this pitch with 91 down the middle? And then shout out pitching ninja is just amazing for content, especially pitching content. He put up a TikTok first thing the next morning, the second he was able to get this video and do it right, where it showed the pitch he threw right before that slider to Pete. And it was a fastball that started out in the exact same spot and finished like on Pete's hands to show you the kind of natural life it had. Like, rising and coming into the righty and that exact pitch like in the millisecond where you thought it was going to be that same fastball again it just kind of sat right there and spun out to the outside and it was like all right he got me that's like that's what pitching is playing pitches off each other not like if there's a pitch right down the middle how can you not swing at it no it's like yeah. you're expecting different movement or like your brain is telling you it's different movement and you just toned it really well but he's done a lot in the last couple of weeks too to give himself like some more feeling for the next couple of years but still just whatever, whenever he gets that breaking ball it'll be it and then offense did enough to win yeah, I mean, this was offensively like a series of Jeff and Vientos a little bit. These guys had a, a good series. Jeff, I know we're going to talk about it a little bit more in this episode, has been great, honestly, since what, like the trade deadline pretty much? He's just kind of been back to that old Jeff McNeil that was an all-star perennial hitter for us, and he's been looking great. But Vientos having a good series and getting it started off in this game with a little RBI single in the fifth, really encouraging signs moving forward. And again, off the velo, off the velo for Mark Vientos as well against a guy who's got a little bit of little juice on him. Yeah, right. He could, could have gotten some wrong stats from, you know, the person who's associated with this podcast gives us stats and knows the minor leagues really well. That could have just been the opposite thing. But uh, Jeff, I want to talk about briefly here because we're going to talk about Vientos more when we go over Wednesday's game because yeah. the first multi home run game it looked like it was just a man among boys there. But yeah, we're going on two months now. Jeff McNeil totally being back to more normal. And these stats are as of Wednesday morning just because. That's when they populated. I know he did go 0 for 4 on Wednesday, so it's going to push him a little bit. But since the trade deadline, 304, 342, 473 slash with seven home runs and 200 plate appearances and a 120 WRC+. plus. Yeah, that's that's the kind of Jeff McNeil that you saw in like the 2019 season where you're like, a little bit, little bit of power and average? Yeah. Like, oh my God, is who is this guy? Did we just find a diamond in the rough? Yeah, like imagine Jeff McNeil on a, on a 600 play appearance pace for 20 homers and a 300 average. Like, <laughs> okay, then it'd be like last year. We're like, all right, this guy is a really good baseball player. Now we have a bargain. But 
nice to see him just like have these couple of months. He also had the two great defensive plays on Wednesday, showing off his arm, showing off his range. Like it was, it was he made, I say showing off his range. Like you don't really talk about range in a ball that's not caught in the air. Yeah. But on that ball down the line that Jazz Chisholm hit, Jeff was like full extension to get the ball in one hop before it got to the wall and just spun and threw it right to Mauricio, hit the cutoff, man, which is like was a little surprising because usually it just goes right for the bag. But it was nice to see him, just nice to see him really having some fun, enjoying himself, like tons of high fives from him this series, which is fun. When, when Jeff's smiling, Jeff's doing something right. He's he, he gets he gets so hard on himself. He's so down sometimes. But when he's smiling, having fun, I mean, you can pretty much guarantee he's playing well. Totally. And it's a great win on Monday. Again, love slashing the hopes of the Marlins. Really, really, and really fun. This was part one of me killing Tanner Scott as well. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, Mark talking the same dynasty league is talking about before. Mark scooped Tanner Scott, trying to get a little relief pitcher edge, a little reverse hex. He's been so hot. He's been so hot. He had like eight saves in a row in like 10 games. And uh, he blew this one, which was, I mean, great for the Mets. Awesome for the Mets. Bad for my fantasy team. And then in game two, we obviously know the Mets end up losing this one. But he blew that game too. Ended up getting the win. It was okay. But uh, speaking on the Mets side of things, Joey Fuego. Joey Fuego, the, the Churve master, he does it again. I mean, another guy, it's like, he's kind of kind of just maybe pretty good. Yeah, kind of just pretty good. I mean, five and two thirds definitely is not like miss. I mean, this actually actually did miss more bats than usual. Yeah. It wasn't a lot of, you know, it was some whiffs, but a lot, of, not a lot of called strikes. Dropping a lot of those colors he told us about spring training over there. Got five strikeouts, five and two thirds innings, three runs, two earns, but the error was him. Like, he just threw yeah. the ball. He thought, he's trying to make a play. Joey Lucas is trying to make a play. Listen, love Joey Fuego. Not one of his proudest moments, I'm sure. A little bit of a brain fart. It happens to the best of them, especially lefties. The lefty pitchers seem to make these plays a little bit more so than the righties. That's yeah. not a uh, lefty-righty thing, but it kind of is with baseball. You guys know. It's also just the play was to third base, and as a lefty, his back was to third base before. So I don't think he was fully aware of like the defensive sets. Whatever. But it's still a great game. Still a great game for Joey Fuego. Put us in position to win. All you can ask for. 2-8-8 ERA over 40 innings this year is like this, you know, trev it up, trev it up, trev it up. <laughs> like what? <laughs> That's another guy who's under contract for next year who's going to be in the mix. Yeah, he's definitely in the mix. I mean, he's he's just pitched well enough to 100% be in the mix. He, uh... <laughs> He's been really good. He's been really good. There's kind of no way around it. It is cool. Again, I think I've said it a couple times now, but to see that he talked about that cutter so much with us in spring training and has really kind of been the difference maker between his performance this year and last year. Yeah, especially attacking uh, right-handed hitters, as he talked about as well. And lefties. He's using it against both. It's looking nice. And Marlon's got a couple of runs, though, just like chipping away at Joey, putting some balls in play. But we had a nice, fun rally night. I think it's tied the game. It was some some joy there. You're like, all right, let's let's like step on these Marlins' throats a little bit. Jeff had a double. Vietos had another single, and then Nimmo came up two outs, two run double, and you could in. Like you guys don't think these guys are still going hard? Like the emotion in this club, in that lot, in that dugout, and I'm Brad, from Brand Nimmo's second base. Like really wanted it. Nimmo was so excited after the game, he even quote tweeted the Mets tweeting out the highlight of his double. Like <laughs> did again, he really? you guys know, yeah, he did. And like this was he a game the Mets never uses Twitter. This is a game the Mets would eventually lose, but he was like, "Yeah, I'm amped. Like that was a great shot. Nice two out, two run double. The ninth inning is high games. You're still just guys playing a game. And four hard hit balls from Nimmo in this game. That's the fifth time this season he's done that. It's just really showing his power to end the year here is awesome. No, hundred percent. I feel like every hit he's been getting recently is just an extra base hit. Yeah, he really gets those legs moving around, turning first. But Marlins did, like I said, win this game in ninth inning. Jake Berger walk off hit, and he sneaky. Might have been the best trade line that trade deadline acquisition besides Mark Hanna or Tommy Pham in all of baseball. Yeah, I mean the fact that they gave up Jake Eater, who I don't, I don't think he's even up yet. Still, right? He's got he's a six ERA in Double A since the trade. 
Nice. Okay. Well, I mean, that's honestly not his fault that he got traded to the Chicago White Sox. We know that that's a death sentence for minor league talent. So it's unfortunate for him, but Jake Berger. Yeah. He's, I mean, he was always a barrel King. He was a barrel King this year, even with the White Sox and their lack of technology. But nowadays with the Marlins who seem to have maybe figured something out on the pro development side, professional uh, development, he's really unlocked like, Oh, kind of a sick hitter. And he's been, I think like, okay at third, which is all you really need when you hit like him. Dude, whatever. Okay. Third, I don't care about that. This is Jake Berger. We're here. We're here for the bat. And since the trade 310, 366, 524 triple slash with eight homers and 24 RBIs and 12 more doubles in 44 games, 20 extra base hits in 44 games. Like that's yeah. like, you're on pace for like 70 on the season. Like that's kind of ridiculous. And one for WRC plus and on the whole season, very sneaky 33 home runs in 132 games. Like that's super almost sneaky. a 40 homer full season pace. Super, super sneaky. Now he's having a great year. Unfortunately, Mets couldn't pull this one out there. Trevor got ended up getting the loss in this one, but I mean, it was a good game. Again, you, you see the things that went on throughout this game. There's a lot of positives to take from it. Kind of what you have to look at as you get in the later days of September, moving on to game three, got the ACE on the mound national league, Cy Young contender. It, is, is he the new number two guy in the Cy Young race? He kind of might be. I have some stats on it after this, but I mean, Kodai, like definitely also another night where it's it's honestly weird. It always happens on the road. Yeah. Where he definitely didn't have his best stuff. It's going to be an adjustment to look at for Kodai next year, like his comfortability on these road trips. Maybe something that if we interview him for a third time, something to see if, see if we're comfortable enough with him. To be Bring like, him back. Why Why he so much better home than on the road, man? Like, Let me know about that. Because he did mention just being on the road as being something he was adjusting to in the interview. But I want to ask him about say. routine, you know, like how he's getting ready for these games, like what the differences are in his, uh, like how he's just his preparation. But six innings, two runs, and that where he really wasn't missing that many bats. There was a lot of traffic, but he buried down every single time there was. Also got great defense from McNeil. We talked about that before. That fifth inning that could have maybe knocked him out ended up being no run scoring and maybe just the one run, a sack fly yeah. or something like that. But Stacker is here from Mike Mayer on Mets Twitter. Kodai is the seventh Met ever to go 15 straight starts in the same season, allowing three earned runs or fewer. And Mark, we like to play this game sometimes. I want you to try and guess those other six Mets who have done that. Some of them Yo are easy. One of them is weird, but I think you could probably grab most of them. Johan Santana. Nah. Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah, I thought he had Jacob that run 2007 too, but no. Jacob DeGrom. Yes, that's one. Matt Harvey. Nope. Ooh, Noah Syndergaard. Nope. Ooh, okay. Uh, how about Mike Hampton? No. Ooh, what about Pedro from, Mar No, one guy from the Hampton era. Uh, was it Al Leiter? Yes. Okay, outlighter. Um, what are some other names I could throw out there pitching wise? <laughs> Max Scherzer? No, no, no. Okay. Really. I mean, there's two, two for these. It's like two for oh, these. Doc. Ones. Yeah, that's a good yeah, one. The best Doc. he went the whole year. Tom Seaver. That's another good one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now what are, got, give, me, give me like some years on the other guys. One old school legendary Met, and another one is one of our favorite Met memes. Jerry Kuzman? Yes. And one more. Okay. This is this is the most fun one. John Neese. I oh, got it. John Neese. Yeah. F it. John Neese highlights. Throw it in here. <laughs> Such a legend. I love John. Miss John Neese. But yeah, those are the seven Mets who have ever gone 15 straight starts in the same season without allowing more than three earned runs. And Kodai Sanga on that list. Yeah. I mean, I honestly, the quietest 15 straight starts of 13 earned runs in a row. It's just, it's, it's since June. Like, it's it's becoming a thing where, like, you're just used to it. And this guy's full season ERA. It, was, it just it basically stayed the same, 295 to 296. But on the same day that Logan Webb and Justin Steele were both blown up, Justin Steele's ERA getting blown up by the Pirates went from 273 to 3.0 in one start on Wednesday. So now Kodai Senga stands alone with the second best earned run <laughs> average in the National League. 
better than Spencer Strider, better than Logan Webb. The only guy's better than Blake Snell, who's going to be the Cy Young. Blake Snell, who's having like a legendary second half. Legendary second half. Legendary season. I mean, he's going to win his second Cy Young in five years. We've talked about it a couple times. We're like, he's got to be like the most dominant pitcher that no one respects. I mean, it's, I mean, if you just didn't know anything about Blake Snell, you'd like, you'd never seen him, like seen him walk around or stand, like never seen his posture. You'd be like, oh, this guy's like a Hall of Fame trajectory. Like he's like, I mean, this, what he does here, like whatever he is on, it's crazy. I wonder who's going to you know, give him that bag in the offseason. But also kind of a lesson to trust a guy like Justin Steele in something like a Cy Young race because yeah. when guys are out there which without stuff, not just Steele doesn't have stuff, but it's not like Blake Snell stuff. It's not Kodai Sanger yeah. stuff. It's not Logan Webb stuff. It's not Spencer Strider stuff. Like you have, you're gonna have those one or two blowups. Like that's what yep. knocked Merrill Kelly out of this race and Justin Steele. Just like sometimes the Pirates will just see you and get knocked out for seven and three. That's just gonna happen. That's why you gotta always be a stuffist. But that's why we love Kodai, the stuff. Yep. I mean, the Kodai Blake Snell, literally the proof of stuff over whatever the other thing is. Well, who cares? Command, command, sure. Stuff over command yeah. all day. Take it anytime. That's why we tell you this. We t- we've been telling you guys this on stuff, the podcast stuff, stuff. for years now. Stuff, stuff, stuff. That's why James brings up stuff plus all the time. It's quite literally the only thing that matters, and then you figure out the rest. Yeah, and I cooked up a crazy. I sent it to Mark. I was real. I was being manic late. Night Wait, that was night. you that you made that? I made that. Yeah. Oh, I thought you found that. That's no. even crazier. Oh no, I was. I'm gonna. I'm waiting to unleash a crazy meme for Snell and uh, Strider. I fixed it up a little bit. I wanted to do it this morning, but I feel like the conversation kind of went away. And now they're they're both scheduled to start next Monday. So I think I'm gonna just get that one ready to go next Monday. It's gonna. That's a potential it's a wild banger. looking meme. Yeah, it could potential banger or just potential like three likes. There's no yeah. in between. We'll find out. We'll find yeah, out. We'll see. Ooh, you guys be ready for that next. Make Monday. sure you guys are following James. <laughs> yeah. Right. But. Other story in this game, Wednesday night, the bats, power surge, man. It was all over the place. Got to start that off with Mark Vientos, John's boy. I know he's going to be talking about Vientos whenever he comes on here, if we ever let him back on. But Marky, Marky, multiple home runs, two home runs in this game. He had the two battle balls on Monday of 106, 108 miles an hour. He had the two home runs in this game. They were 101 and 109 miles an hour. And the big thing for Vientos, we've talked to you guys a lot, the pull side power. He's been pulling the ball a little bit more. He's got that pull rate almost to the league average. He's, I think, at like 36, and the league average is about 41 right now, which is far cry from where he was even in the minor leagues a year ago, which is huge. And you're kind of seeing that adjusting to league velocity. I've comped him. This is going to be weird to hear, but like, just hear me out like holistically. Okay. Kind of like Torkelson, where okay. the power is massive. Like, he doesn't have the same hit tool as Torkelson, definitely doesn't have the same bat to balls, but it's still not lifting the ball as much. But once he started pulling the ball, you're like, oh, this is a guy who could really yes. stick around. And Vieto's kind of getting there. And you just like look at how hard he hits the ball consistently. And it's just it's among the league leaders. And these are stats again as of Wednesday morning, because Safant hasn't populated yet for what happened on, on Wednesday night. Eighth highest average exit velocity in the league at 93.4 miles an hour. Average exit velocity is a little dumb because you're gonna hit a couple of dinky ground balls in play. It's gonna screw up your sample size. But Still eighth. It's still around guys like Acuna and you know Berger and Otani and the guys who hit the balls as hard as they can. Judge, this is one I like more. Average exit velocity and fly balls and line drives, ninety-seven point seven. That's Where do ninth you find in the that? league. Uh, on, it's on Savant's uh, leaderboard. Oh, okay. If you go to the leaderboard, so I'll, I'll walk you guys through how to find that. So Savant leaderboards, click exit velocity and barrels. You're gonna have a big scary looking table. It has like twelve columns in it. The first of like the little boxes they make on it, exit velocity. It says max average fly ball and line drives and then ground balls oh okay yeah so fly balls and line drives and you guys change the minimum bad the balls because qualifies he's not qualified he's uh he no. has 100 around 100 on the year he now has where is he on here where's marky mark marky mark with the funky bunch oh yeah he, he probably passed 
both Patrick Wisdom and Jake Berger here to get right behind Ronald Acuna. Let's say the seventh, seventh highest average exit velocity in fly balls and line drives. Again, that's a little bit better than just regular exit velocity because no one really cares for exit velocity and ground balls. Like those yeah. aren't advantageous ways to put the ball in play. And we saw like Labor Torres had a 43 mile an hour ground, like dinky ground ball he hit today with a negative 73 launch angle, just like <laughs> to show like how stupid those average stats are, which is why they're a little dumb, but they still, they still say a picture. But also, Vientos, 52% hard hit rate, that's 15th best in the league. And the only thing that's stopping him now, now he's pulling the ball near league average, is the ground ball rate. 58% ground ball rate, that's still, that's still really, really high. We want to get that fly ball rate to like 45%. It's like sitting in the high 30s right now. Like if that happens, like there might be no stopping this power. Yeah, maybe when uh, they come back home, we could talk to Vientos because I'd love to know he's a Miami kid too. I wonder if playing in Miami was something that got him a little bit more motivated as well, a little more jazzed up. More comfortable. Jazzed up. You catch that? Jazzed up. A little jazzed up. Marlins, jazz chism. Good to hear some jazz. But then yeah. another great thing this uh, this game, Beatty hit one of the longest home runs by Met this year. And what? He pulled it. Oh, he did pull it. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, I also forgot to mention that the Vientos home run came off Yuri Perez. I told you guys he was special. He only pitched three innings. Couldn't miss any bats. Only one <laughs> hard hit ball off him, though, and it was the Vientos home run. So then at the time, Vientos' last four home runs were Chapman, Gallen, Castillo, and Yuri, Yuri Perez. Perez. Four of the guys the best stuff in the whole league. So it's amazing. Maybe she got to get up for it. But the home run by Bailey was smashed. 113 miles an hour off the bat, 440 feet. You saw him after the game be like, it felt good to get that one. Because they like... Overall, you're going to look back this year and be like, this was a really trying year for Brett Baby. Yeah. Still have a lot of confidence in him. The tools are still awesome. Definitely going to see how this playing time shakes out next year. I kind of love the fact that like these three dudes who are kind of friends between him, Mauricio, and Vientos are all kind of going to be vying for similar at-bats. Yeah. Just whoever takes it, takes it, and that's it. 100%. I mean, Beatty swings it like that. He's going to be getting plenty of at-bats. Nothing to worry about. Brand Nimmo, Homer, double three hard hit balls again in this one. And then just the little the little fun stat, the little nugget for you guys that you know we're just getting super, super geeked out about. Ronnie Mauricio. How many walks today, James? Two. Two walks for Ronnie. Two. That's insane. Two. Also, fun fact, lowest prime number. That's from Trivia. Yes. Shout out to Trivia. Shout out to Trivia. But it's so cool to see the game slowing down for Mauricio this early. It's crazy. And you can also see a lot with like with him and Vientos, I think especially that like once you get like that, like month of playing time under your belt, like you start yep. to really get a grasp of the major league game. It felt like that in the beginning of the year with Bailey as well, where he had the month last year where he struggled and this year, like April and May, like he was really getting around on it. So it's just, again, you get these prospects up and you see them get comfortable and you see how much of an impact they can make any given night. Yeah, I mean, I'll go back to the conversation I had with my good friend Jabari Blash. He was like, it's really, really hard to like turn it on once or twice a week. And that was his role. He was like, but when you start getting that consistent playing time every day, he goes, that's when you're really allowed to become the player that you know you can be. And I think we're seeing that happen with guys like Vientos and Mauricio right now, which is so, so awesome as just another part of this future core for the New York Mets going into next season. And like again, just the fact that like these are now guys who are like plug and play guys already, no matter what, like off the bench. Especially a guy like Mauricio who can handle a couple different positions, who's athletic, who can like steal a base late in the game if you need it. Yeah. Bailey Vientos, two guys who hit each side of the plate, who can each get get the crazy power when you need it. Like there's a lot of guys on this roster who now you go into next year and be like, I'm excited these guys will have roles rather than 100%. I hope they get some roles. Hundred percent. And you know what? I think now's probably a good time to bring in John too. Of course, I, I ended up losing the estimate. But we also got a little bit of a, a special trip tomorrow.
because not only do the Mets go to Philadelphia, but the Binghamton Rumble Ponies got a possible elimination game against the Somerset Patriots. They're up one nothing. John, of, co- of course, co-host of the Future Flushing podcast that you guys should check out with Vito as well, where they talk about all the minor league stuff. I'm sure you guys are going to be dropping some episodes, hopefully after they win tomorrow or technically today when you guys are listening. But uh, yeah, John, how, how you doing? What's going on? How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. I mean, I, I wish you didn't bring that up because you know that it's with a heavy heart I have to announce that I, I'm not going to be able to make the game. And, uh, you know, it would have been three Central Jersey guys, which is now officially a thing. If you say it's not, I can sue you, so don't say that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, uh, I've i got dad stuff to do, you know? Like, okay. It's, I was telling you guys before we started recording, it's the first time, really, that I've, like, had a choice, a fork in the road, if you would, of, like, do something fun that you like to do or, like, make the mature decision because you're now a parent. And you shouldn't be doing that. You should be home with your child, making memories and bonding with your infant. And I mean, not that it's a hard decision, but like I identified that. I recognize that's that. good. So I mean, it's also funny you know that thing that you're. No, the funny ahead, thing you're saying you want to do is go to a double A postseason game with your two like 27 year old colleagues. <laughs> but see, that's growth because let me tell you, John. Before being a father, John's coming. John's John's going to the game. He's oh. having a little fun. We would have a blast. I mean, oh, we're, we're going to have a blast without you. Unfortunately, 100%. we'll miss you there. But I mean, this is growth. 100%. This reminds me of a, a lot of our, our friend Alex James when uh, I think like he like sent flowers to someone one time and he was like, I don't know if I should have done this. And we're like, no, this is good. This is good. Yeah. You're making the right decision. We want becoming you to know a, this. Becoming a man. Yeah. <laughs> Happy to watch you grow up in this podcast, John. Well, yeah, I know. Well, you know, a lot, a lot has gone down, but I actually I watched game one with her. She was sitting on my lap and I watched. I, the Jet Williams home run happened when she was on my lap. She she didn't make the whole game, but it was it was weird because like he's circling the bases, he's rounding the bases. I look down at her, and you know I'm going to raise her a Mets fan. That's my plan in life, obviously, as any yeah, father right. would do. And I was just like, man, like Jet Williams is a guy who she can possibly grow up watching. And it, yeah, yeah, it was just a cool it was a cool thing. I realized that like Jet's 19, he's in Double A, he's had such a great season. My daughter, you know, before I know it's going to be five years old. And Jet Williams could be in his third or fourth or possibly even fifth season in the major leagues. And it's just like it was it was a weird connection between the the now and the future. And that's why watching these games is so exciting. There's so much talent with the Rubble Ponies. Somerset Patriots also have a lot of talent, too. This is a great a series. Yeah. You guys yeah, are about to see a whale of a pitching matchup in game two between Dom Hamill, who if you're a Mets fan, you know the name. But here's another name for you. Richard Fitz. Right-handed pitcher, right-handed pitcher for the go, Yankees. Dude shoves. Does he go by Richard, or does he have a nickname? I've only seen Richard, but okay. I know that there is a nickname for Richard. And yeah. uh, <laughs> it's, you know, I, I remember first seeing the name, and I was like, ha, ha, ha. And then I realized, like, wait, there's <laughs> no strikeouts in the Eastern League this year. Oh, he's good. He's really yeah, good. No. And that Somerset rotation for the Yankees also has Drew Thorpe, who is, like, I think that has the highest whiff rate in the Eastern League. Yes. And Chase Hampton, yeah, who I think right is also now. top five. Hurt. Oh, uh, yeah, Thorpe's injured. And Hampton, I think, is top five for uh, whiff rate in the Eastern League. Do they have my yeah. boy Brock Selvage as well? I don't believe so. I don't he's think so. Chase Hampton's hurt as well. So. Yeah, he's on developmental list I'm seeing now. But just a lot, but, like, a lot of excitement that Yankees farm system. Yankee fans definitely don't want to hear that because they're so they're so ag- agitated by what's gone on this season. But a lot of the ball players in that team. 
But the Binghamton Rumble Ponies, we talked oh. about it since the trade deadline. This team's been a bit of a unit here. I mean, you guys have heard on Future of Flushing how well they've been playing. But a little Drew Gilbert, a little Luis Angel Acuna. No, Acuna. Acuna got, Acuna got hurt on Monday. I know, but I mean, he's, he's been playing well. Yeah, great. But yeah, yeah. just saying. Well, I'll get people excited. I, I would love to see Luis Angel Acuna. I'm not, I'm not sure he's going to be playing uh, two days after getting hit in the face by a pitch. That's that was fair. a little scary. Yeah, there was no update on Wednesday, so we'll wait to see what the deal is with Acuna. But for any Met fan, any Yankee fan who's disappointed, dejected by the way the season went at the major league level, at least, this is a really fun little rivalry that's been brewing. These teams play a lot during the regular season. It was back and forth all year. And, uh, you know, it's going to kind of be a Subway Series mini style in Somerset, New Jersey tomorrow night and Friday if necessary. By the way, that'd be Blade Tidwell starting for the Ponies on Friday. So... It's a stacked rotation, and that's Tyler Stewart's not even healthy right now. Yeah, and uh, we'll, we call it the throughway series to get from you know to get to get from that's Binghamton fair. down to Somerset. Yeah, right. That's, you can take that highway down that's there. It's fun, I think and also it's like probably eighty-seven, right? Yeah, eighty-seven, which I think is called throughway sometimes. But these are two two teams and two systems where they probably got themselves to being. I mean, the Yankees are known as having good farm system the last few years, even though they haven't really converted that much to the major league level. The Mets. With what they did the trade deadline, probably for sure a top 10 system in the league, if not better, when you just consider how much close to the majors talent they have ready to go right now. I'm excited to watch this game. We didn't get to get yeah. to a Cyclones game this year. Been to a few last few years each, but love really like watching the minor league guys play. If you guys are in the New Jersey area and you're listening to this, come out, out to Somerset. We're going to be hanging out, watching the game. Come say what's up. For sure. Now I and have I'll even worse FOMO. <laughs> yeah, sorry, John. Also, just shout out Jet Mets minor league player of the year, Christian Scott, Mets minor league pitcher of the year. Nice. Two two members of the ponies. Absolutely, Christian Scott started game one, filthy, in, incredible control. But we can talk more about that later. We got to talk about Mets Phillies here. I'm actually really rattled and upset. I'm not going to be at this game now. Shoot. <laughs> <laughs> what are the What well, are the odds he gets there? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. See, you know. So here's the funny thing. I am taking my daughter with me on a voyage. It's actually the first time I am going out alone with her tomorrow. Ooh. And I'm doing that. So there's literally no chance I could pull a fast one and be like, you know what? I'm going to be in Marlboro tomorrow, Central Jersey. You know what? I'm 20 minutes away. Screw it. I'm just coming to Somerset. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm doing it. So there's literally no chance because it's not an option because someone's got to come home and be fed. So I'm not going to be there. I'm, I'll be watching, though. I'll be texting you guys the whole time. Oh, and, we know. Uh, We're yeah, I know you guys in the group chat. John, if people aren't going to the game tomorrow, where can they watch it? So you can go on the MLB.tv app, and if the Mets are selected as your favorite team, you scroll down, all the minor league games appear there. It's actually a great thing throughout the season. If you're a subscriber, you get every level of minor league baseball. But this is a special freebie during this series. So you go to MLB.tv. You could also go to MILB.tv. It'll be there. You can't miss it. Definitely watch it. Jacob Wilkins, Matt Levine on the call for the Rumble Ponies. They do a great job in the broadcast booth. Incredibly informational as well. So like I said a little bit ago, if you're a dejected fan and you feel like you didn't get all that much out of the season, this Rumble Ponies team is fun. And they've got a lot of talent that was there before the trade deadline as well. That's really, you know, it's, it's, a, it's been a collaborative effort and it's all come together. They had 14 shutouts this season. That is a lot of shutouts. Like, Vito and I joke a lot that one day there's going to be a documentary made about the 2023 <laughs> Rumble Pony team that had this incredible collection of pitching, just a wealth of pitching that at the time, like we didn't realize it was all happening. And yep. in two, three years, when it shows itself at the major league level, 
people are going to look back and say, wow, that 2023 Rumble Ponies team was good, but it's not even just the starting rotation. It's the bullpen arms as well. They're, they're loaded. It's also just the fact that it was a bit of a trying few years for the Mets minor league teams. They've been trying to like, you know, acquire talent, develop talent down there. And then the massive infusion of talent they got in one shot between Blade coming up and getting hot, Drew Gilbert and Acuna in the trades, Jeremiah Jackson in the trades as well. has had a really hot couple months mm-hmm. in the Rumble Ponies. Uh, Dom Hamill coming back and being really effective. Tyler Stewart coming up from Brooklyn. Just a lot happened at once. That Rumble Ponies team went from, I don't know what they got, but then just becoming a unit. And... James, I know we've talked about this off podcast before, but like you're super in on like minor league team success, which sounds yeah, like weird, but like things. you look at the Rays, they win all the time in the minors. And what do they do at the major league level? Win all the time. Mariners too. And this Orioles core that just came up were notorious for running rough shots just through all their minor league levels. So you, there's, you can really feel, and these, I think those Braves teams also had, when these Probably. guys were in the minor leagues, were really crushing down there. So there's definitely, I think the Gwinnett Stripers are a, a, bit, of a, <laughs> a, bit, a bit, bit of a wagon years past, but. You can really feel that when guys come to the major leagues on a team like Tampa, because they're the ones who are most notorious for this. They have like, they're on like a 620 minor league win percentage over like a five year stretch. It's ridiculous what they do year in, year out. And you feel that these guys come to the major leagues and they expect winning and they're ready to do, especially a team like the Rays, a little different, but just because they're the Rays, like they'll do whatever they can to win. Like those pitchers will pitch in any role. Those hitters will play a different position just because they have to, they know someone needs them there for an inning. Like when you're ready to win, you're ready to win. And I like that this Mets, this new Mets core in the minor leagues are like, we're good. We're ready to win. But another great thing beyond that is that a lot of the talent, like a guy like Wander Suarez, who's made a name for himself, was the back-to-back Eastern League pitcher of the week after his promotion from Brooklyn. Literally two starts. Didn't allow a hit in either of them. He threw the, the seven-inning no-hitter a couple of weeks ago. All the talent that there is in Brooklyn, there's a lot more with the PSL Mets, with the FCL Mets, and with the Brooklyn Cyclones. So there's a lot more coming. Jordani Ventura is another pitcher who was promoted from PSL up to Brooklyn when guys like Christian Stewart, uh, excuse me, Christian Scott, Tyler Stewart were promoted up to Binghamton and it's been replenished and there's, there's just a pipeline right now. So there's a lot to be excited about as we've said a few times here. And we've heard Steve talk about when he's like, talk to the fans here, this is really the first year of the, uh, of the lab. And you can kind of already start to feel the fruits of this lab, like being done. We shouted out the Tim Healy piece from about a month ago where, uh, Blade Tidwell said every pitch is different now. Yeah. Like from when I came to this team, like the fastball kept the same. And that's like a lot of what fastball research says, like just throw your fastball, but every other pitch is new now. And that's something that's really cool to see these guys take to this so quickly. Well, it's all going good right now for the Rumble Ponies. And I mean, the Mets are playing some good ball too. The starting rotation, I told you guys last time we spoke that yeah. they had a 2 1 4 ERA at the time and they just keep rolling. So. I don't want anyone to think I'm a Marlins fan here because that's that's not the truth at all. I don't know why you guys. They are, are, they are your Marlins, though. I mean, they are John's Marlins. My Marlins in the fact that, like, yeah, I identified them as a team that was probably sliding under the radar. And you know, if I were to, if someone were to say, hey, you know, what's a what's a team you like to maybe exceed the expected win total this season? Well, I was going to say the Miami Marlins early in the season. And so, I mean, you guys have some like just crazy disdain for the Marlins. I, I get 07 was. I mean, kind of their fault, but like that was a long different ownership, like different. Everything. No, yeah. no, I, know, I don't really I have know. disdain for the Marlins. I just I think they're winning a lot with like some unsustainable stuff, mainly like their record of one run games and the fact that they just sure. have a bunch of scrappy relievers who have gotten a lot out of, which is really cool. And then just the fact that Jake Berger and Horace Soler are going to combine for almost 70 home runs in a major league baseball <laughs> season. Like that's really great stuff. But they're just a team that still is like no confidence. We also have a little bit of an aversion to the Marlins because our friend Ernie was a Marlins fan forever. Decided to become Mets fans just to be better friends. I don't even know. Just hang out with us more. And he just, he killed the Mets and the Marlins got good. So that's a lot of his fault. Love you, Ernie. Hate you for that though. 
Jonathan VR. Love Jonathan VR. Tweet him about Jonathan VR. Subtape yeah. underscore. I feel like it'd be fun to see the Marlins make the playoffs only because we saw that ballpark. Well, okay, I get that. Like, yes, from a competitive standpoint, maybe you'd rather see the Cincinnati Reds or the Cubs. I want or, America's I, I understand. team. We saw what happened at the World Baseball Classic in Miami. There has never been a playoff game played at that stadium. When they made the playoffs in 2020, they went to (laughs) Chicago for the whatever series that was, that first round. And then they went to Houston. That was the the site they were at. So they've never played there. The same thing will happen this year because they're going to play in the wild card round as as the lower seed. And then they're going to lose. So they still won't get the home game. And (laughs) the other thing about the Marlins unpacking that house is that they are not Venezuela. They're not Dominican Republic. They're not Puerto Rico. That's the key. Like they are not going to pack the stadium in the same way they were able to in the World (sighs) Baseball Classic. Not even Israel, John. Not even Israel. They were Miami. Well, (laughs) I, I agree to a certain extent. I mean, we saw what happened with the Florida Panthers last year. In the Stanley Cup know. final, but that's also that's also hockey. only twenty thousand people in the stadium. And they're all they were also Miami's awesome. only thirty seven. Miami's only like we thirty seven. It's a small. We stadium. also we went to the Heat Knicks game, game six, and they didn't even come close to selling out that and stadium. They love I think the Heat. I think they're just bad sports fans. Honestly, I like I don't think Miami. I think the people who are fans are good fans, but I think the city is not a good sports fan city. Well, of course, it's transient market. That's just the way it is. Like everyone's a Mets transient. and Yankee fan oh. there. SAT word. I just put it together more because this is where John got his start. Of course. This, this is John's first organization. This is John who came up as a rookie with the Marlins. <laughs> it has nothing. This is John learned with... how to John. Yeah, it has nothing to do with that at all. I John's got a little affinity for the team. He, he once loved, once once called once called home. <laughs> it was a very different, it was a very different land. Although Marlins, you know, so I, I was there for like three months, maybe. Didn't make it to opening day. Had left the job before opening day rolled around. So that was my home office for three months. Like I worked out of there. Never, I'd never seen a game there. I'd never seen a <laughs> you, game there. Wait, <laughs> you worked the off season for the Marlins? Yeah, I got hired in like after college. After yeah, like winter once. meetings started in early. Started January sixth, and then I didn't make it to opening day. I had left. That's, that's, that's crazy. crazy. How much you love that day? What what day? Opening day. <laughs> no, that day in the first week of January. But yeah, it's crazy. Oh. I went to a game there. <laughs> Yeah, well, it is with the day. estimate, John. It's a really important day for John. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the estimate. Um, yeah, so Mets Phillies, two more series left this year. The Mets and Phillies actually closed the season out together uh, a week from this weekend. By the way, huge college football slate. I am so huge. excited for Colorado, Oregon. Oh, you guys slate. don't even know. I know we yeah. can't talk college football. The, uh, the YouTube comments get murky, but yeah, no, for sure. Uh, we, we played this game last time. Do you guys remember the last time the Mets played the Phillies? Uh, remember the date june 18th. oh yeah they swept them they swept them may 30th to they... no i played one series them after that i don't know when was mark it? mark was close i mean i I'm, i can't believe you guys don't remember because the last game of that series was probably oh, the low they... point of this entire season for our guys oh, oh yeah, yeah. When they blew it oh yeah when yeah blew that's it. sunday <laughs> yep, yep yep yeah that's yeah. probably why i'm trying to forget yeah oh you Thanks. were also in england that's true yeah yeah. Right, the Friday game was Apple saying a pitch. Yeah, it's coming back. <laughs> yeah, yes, it was. Yes, it coming was. Back to me. Anyway, so it's been a long time, and I don't think we've done this one before. And I feel like it's kind of low hanging fruit with the Phillies. I'll have to think of something better for the last series. But Nick Castellanos, of course, had a huge outfield assist today. Amazing, so, spinorama. Yeah, for a guy who doesn't cool. play. Did you... No, I didn't see his quote. Was it? He said that in my head, I was running up to it being like, drop it, drop it, drop it. Then the last second, something told me, go make the play. 
and he did it full spin 360 and made the dart to home plate. <laughs> and John Crook on the Phillies broadcast. I even know he did Phillies games. It was one of the better calls I've heard because as the color guy, whoever the Phillies play-by-play guy was like, and he was like actually calling the play, and John Crook's going, drop, no, 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 yes, good throw, yes. <laughs> Believe that's a Tom really McCarthy on Phillies TV, son of Pat or dad of Pat McCarthy, Mets Radio. Oh, yes. good. Didn't put that together. Wow. Okay. Nice one. Yes, yes, yes. But yeah, Castellanos for a dude that's known as a bad outfielder, he comes up with some big plays. He made some huge catches in the World Series. He did. I don't know. Anyway, deep drives to the left, right? Right. Think of <laughs> Nick, Nick Castellanos. You got to think of hitting the ball to left field. Am I right? Pull side power. Yeah. Pull side power. Oh, that, that reminds me, by the way, Mark Vientos. His last uh, 17 games, 306, 348, 581 slug, five home runs. That's so. nice. We talk about not Mark Vientos for 12 minutes. And I say, here comes John, talk about Mark Vientos. Then you drop the Mark Vientos <laughs> stat. Good podcasting. The pull side power just jogged my memory. Anyway, so. Cassianos was also a guy when he came up. He didn't have the pull side power. Couldn't like, pull. He, could, yeah. he couldn't find that. Now he, now he found it. They still just Wait, can't. JD Martinez as well. Also a Southern pull Florida side. boy, just like Mark Vientos. Pull side power. Nova Southeastern, I believe. That's right. Um, so, yeah, I just want you guys to tell me how many times Nick Cassianos hits the ball in the air to left field during the series. Oh. By the way, Luis Arise didn't swing and miss once. He only played, yeah, I know. played in one game, Dog. but he didn't swing and miss. So Coward. That's just I'm also now fun. guaranteed at least a tie in the estimate. Oh, and, a tie uh, break Matt, would be... It'd be kind of funny again. I don't know what we do again. again, but one more win for me, and now Mark is back in the tuxedo next opening day. I mean, we, it's just going to happen. <laughs> I think... But yeah, something, something. Maybe, maybe we might have to change up the tuxedo because I wore one this year, and we know things didn't go well. That's actually true. So. No tuxedo next year. Different yeah, thing. we might. We're gonna change it up, but it will be maybe something we'll ridiculous. Maybe you'll have to do the full kit. That could be. Yeah. That. I'll, I'll be. I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll dress up as uh, Mr. Met for the day. <laughs> be sweaty, sweaty. Yeah, I got my number, James. Uh, I guess I'll put one here. I don't know. This is this is like I don't even know how you you come up with a number for this one. I just yeah, it's a chaos I'm, one. I'm throwing it. All right, ready. Yep. All right. Here we Cut go. Down. Three, two, one. Three. Five. All right. Four, All we right. get a push. A four is a win for you, James. Yeah, four. Four, it's over. I should have said three and a half. Should have said three and a half. No, nah, no half numbers on no this. No hooks. No hooks. <laughs> Beautiful. But, John, as always, thank you for the estimate. We will see you when we're back in New have York. Have fun tomorrow. Uh, have fun tomorrow, guys. We'll try yeah, have we have fun will. for you. Without me. We're going to send lots of pictures and videos to you. So you really feel like you're missing out. Hopefully get some content out of it too. See you, John. Bye, John. As always, a blast. And let's just quickly talk about the Phillies here. I mean, we've... Yeah, John took up all of our time. That was the first John variety hour in a while. You know what? It's good. That's what he gets gets for being a good father and making the right decisions. (laughs) To This is our reward. This is like when you like give a dog a treat for sitting. (laughs) It's like we let John talk about everything. We've only gotten John like, what, two of the last six episodes. So yeah, the people might want some John or they might really not want some John. We're going to find out when the YouTube comments this episode. But series against the Phillies, again, we haven't seen this team in three entire months. So some things might be a little different. The main thing that's a little different is that Trey Turner, Kyle Schwarber, and Bryce Harper are once again, maybe the best one, two, three in any lineup in baseball. (sighs) Yeah, um, Trey Turner completely back. Uh, all the hate the Phillies fans, to their credit, the, the no, mutants and monsters that they are, they really stepped up to the plate on this one. The radio hosts, I think, said to cheer Trey Turner, uh, try and use some positive reinforcement, to which uh, they did, and he has been phenomenal since then. Bryce Harper, it seems like it's about a year that it takes to recover from Tommy, Tommy John and get your Jami power Tan. back. Tommy John. Uh, Tommy John, when you get your... Uh, 
surgery because in the last month he's been pretty incredible. He's completely back to being one of the best hitters in all of Major League Baseball. Kyle Schwarber's got 45 home runs and hitting 190 with a 350 on base percentage because what that like he's a fake person. He's not even real. What is interesting though. So on the pitching side, I feel like they've been scuffling a little bit. Their pitching hasn't been that strong, especially Michael Lorenzen, who has been atrocious since the no-hitter. He's been bad. He even spoke about it. He's like, I don't know what's happening. I mean, you pitch that no-hitter, you're losing stuff. Also, I do want to shout out Schwarber because since August 6th, he's actually hitting 260, and since Whoa. August 18th, he's hitting 270 with Whoa. 185 and 196 WRC plus from those two arbitrary dates. He is, he is he's, he's vaunted. He's a little scary. 430 on base percentage since August 18th. Jeez. Full month of what games. Are, what are our pitching matchups for this series? Pitching matchups in this series will be David Peterson versus Ranger Suarez, who's also scuffling on Thursday night for uh, for the Phillies. And then Friday, Apple TV, and also a little bonus. You can get a little twofer for the people. Another episode is going to be coming out later today on Thursday, if you guys are listening in the morning. It's scheduled for sometime in the afternoon, I believe 2 o'clock. So you can either take it for your uh, ride home from work, or you can save it for Friday morning. Alex Faust. Apple TV play-by-play uh, -play -play announcer. Really, really nice guy. Really fun interview. Very strange start in broadcasting. Cool to hear his perspective on how he got to where he got to in sports. But that game will be Tyler McGill versus Taiwan Walker, who has 100% steadied this Phillies rotation over the like, last couple months of the year. He had a really bad April, and he's just completely rounded into form. He's one off the league lead in wins, which we're not a wins podcast, but really interesting to say that nonetheless. And then Saturday, 4.05. Great time for a game on Saturday, especially great time when there's a big football game on at 7. Uh, Jose Quintana versus Zach Wheeler. And then Sunday, matinee, Jose Budo versus Christopher Sanchez. Two Ooh. young pitchers who've kind of been up and down, who are both getting amazing results. Sanchez has sneaky, been kind of good recently. Really? Interesting. Yes. I, I know that he, he's been in long relief roles before against the Mets, and I think was okay. Although I think we applauded Joe Girardi, thank you for bringing him in in the past. But that was also we have. Well, he has been pretty bad in the past. But Sanchez is kind of doing what, kind of what Ranger Suarez did a few years ago, where he doesn't really throw hard. He's a lefty too. Kind of just mixes it up. Lots of sinkers, lots of changeups. Now some sliders. More changeups this year than years past. It's been the pitch has made a big difference for him. That changeup has a forty percent whiff rate. And he went from throwing it last year 20% of the time, year before 20% of the time, now 32% of the time. That's been a big adjustment for him. And he just pounds the strike zone. He does not let you get a free pass against him. One of the lowest walk rates in all of baseball, 4%. So also, he's a guy who... What? No, you go. Finish your sen sentence. I was going to say 4% walk rate with a 58% ground ball rate and one of the highest chase rates against in the league. So hmm. well, he doesn't really get a lot of whiffs, not a lot of strikeouts. He gets guys to swing at those shadow pitches, those sliders, those sinkers, those changeups, and beat them into the ground and do nothing good with them. I think someone to keep an eye out for, too, is uh, Johan Rojas, who I think the last like week or so has been scalding hot and is low-key putting up a decent little rookie season for himself. Fantastic in center field. The Phillies actually might have found a center fielder for the first time in like 10 years, which is kind of wild. Yeah. Besides but, a bad person before that. And do you know, do you know why Johan Rojas caught fire? Did you, did you see this one? Yeah, I, I saw the crazy headline that I'm sure we can't repeat on the podcast. But basically, Nick Castellanos has been getting him to unbutton his shirt and play with a little more swag and confidence. Yeah, and it's completely changed out. him. Yeah, so he's now ready to rock. And the last time we played this team, Brandon Marsh was a world beater. He's just kind of going back to being Brandon Marsh. Still still definitely a worthwhile move for them. Like He's for definitely sure. an upgrade there because the guy that traded for him is like, yeah, I mean, come on. But <laughs> I think that might have been Ohapi too in that trade, though. So not all the way. Ohapi's a really yeah. good ball player. But yeah, Stott's been, Stott's been a monster in the field. He's making some great plays second base. Alec Bohm has just become a good ball player, which is, again, we talked about it last time. It's kind of a... 
kind of a way to show you guys how precipitous development can be, especially look at a guy like Brett Bailey. Stott had a year where he was 30% worse in league average and about league average right now. He's like 10% better than league average. And he's kind of finding out how to play defense a little bit. Like, not I mean, really. You move from short to second. That's a huge part of it, too. I'm talking about Boehm. Oh, you said Stott just now. Oh, my bad. I, I always get them confused. They kind of to be fair, Boehm is right. playing first base. So, I mean, that's a lot easier, too, when he plays yeah, first yeah, base I mean, sometimes. Lose, losing Reese Hoskins for the year. But, yeah, just sometimes, sometimes it takes these prospects a few years to really get that. And Boehm doesn't hit the ball nearly as hard as Brett Beatty. So, but he does have 90 RBIs, which is insane. Yeah, I mean, listen, the Phillies are going to make the playoffs and they probably are our best chance to beat the Braves if we're going to be probably. completely honest. Yeah. So my hatred for them runs as deep as they can <laughs> knock out the Braves. But uh, I would I love to question. beat them. I still love to smack them around this series and make it make the Philly fans sweat a little bit. We'll we'll leave with this because it's been a bit of a long episode anyway, which kind of, this is our first time going over 50 minutes in a minute here. But do yeah, it's okay. Do you not many cuts? Here's a clean episode. Do you hate the Phillies more than the Braves? <sighs> no, no, there's not. Yeah, I don't can't. hate the Phillies. It's it's hard. It's impossible. I think like because like Philly fans, I, I have more of a hatred for the city of Philadelphia, I think, You're than stupid. Atlanta. But Braves fans are a million times worse than Phillies fans, especially on social media. Like, my God, for we went to the game for a fan base that doesn't even show up to watch their own team. It's incredible how vocal they are. They're kind of like Chargers fans. Chargers fans like to talk so much trash on social media. Then you go and look at their games. You're like, oh, there's 15,000 people there. There's nobody well, there. Well, they'll live in San Diego. They have an excuse. I kind of feel bad for the Chargers yeah, fans. I don't feel bad for them, too. No, Qualcomm. Justin overrated. Qualcomm was a, was a place. Qualcomm was an institution. And, I mean, it's it kind of it does kind of stink. I mean, how would you feel if you lost your team? I'd cry. <laughs> Let's be but honest yeah. for a second. Here. Braves fans, Braves fans way worse. I just have a disdain towards the city of Philadelphia. All right, I guess that's fair, kind of. But um, this Philly, Philly's bullpen also is like kind of taking a little half a step back here. Gregory Soto is not uh, really that got a great results. I'm Mark's gonna, happy about that one. I'm going to plant my flag on that one. Because yes, boy, oh sir. boy, was I super singing how like who who cares that you got this guy. Sir Anthony is not 2022 playoff Sir Anthony. Craig Kimbrell is everything. It's a journey every time he's out there. Jose Alvarado has not been the best reliever in baseball like he was for the first month of the year. Mastram is kind of fun. I kind of I still like Mastram. Throws a lot at you, but it's not exactly like the most elite you're ever going to find. Let's. I mean, let's just let's ruin somebody's weekend, right? Why not? Yeah. Yeah. I'd really love for uh, Joe from Langhorn, Pennsylvania, to put a hole in his wall this weekend because the Mets take three or four from the Phillies. That'd be great. <laughs> Let's see a viral trend that's happening. One of the one of the Philly pizzerias where they're they're wrapping cheesesteaks and pizzas. If I could eat gluten, I would eat that. <laughs> if I could eat cheese, I'd eat that too. I mean, that so sounds good. That sounds so bad. It's good. Yeah, my algorithm's a lot of food stuff, and it's just, I was like, whoa. It's I said that somebody's power, not from America, man. and they they said uh, they said if they if they saw that, their head would explode. That makes sense for someone not from America. <laughs> yeah. I think that's an, especially knowing this person. I think that's a very rational take. Yeah, right. Yeah, it was a funny one, but I mean, I think it's all we got. It's all you got. Yep, let's wrap it up here, guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. You guys know the drill. Follow us on our social media at MetsUp on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Subscribe to the New York Mets YouTube channel for the video version of this. If you're listening, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Odyssey, drop us a rating, drop us a review, download, and subscribe. Follow James on Twitter at James underscore Shiano. And me, Giraffe Neck Mark with a C. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And we'll catch you after the Philly series, the last away series of the season. Peace out. Peace out. See you guys next time.